Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Cool Zone Media. Hello, it's Shireen. Welcome to the pod. I'm back to talk about, you guessed it, Palestine. Because we need to keep talking about it. There is still a ongoing genocide happening in Gaza, and if you ask me, a slower genocide that's been happening for the last 75 years in Palestine. And there's so many aspects of history and of what's currently happening that are worth delving into. Today, I wanted to focus on a new investigation by Plus 972 Magazine. And this is an investigation that was confirmed by The Guardian. And it reveals that Israel is deliberately killing large numbers of Palestinian civilians in Gaza. Need I remind you that the Palestinian population in Gaza is mostly women and children? Doesn't mean that uh, Palestinian men are disposable, because they are not. That is something I do reject about constantly saying women and children. It's only because I think it reinforces the idea that every Palestinian man could potentially be a terrorist, when really... They are the ones pulling people out of the rubble and treating them in hospitals. And um, Palestinian men are incredible. So their loss is just as tragic. My point is, though, that I keep seeing Israeli officials on news outlets and everything spewing lies and bullshit about how the IOF is trying everything they can to avoid civilian death. And that is just simply not true. And now there is definitive proof that it's not true with this investigation. As of this recording, the death toll in Gaza has risen to over 21,000 people. This number includes those who are presumed to be dead underneath the rubble. At this point, the number of killed and displaced Palestinians is higher than the number of killed and displaced Palestinians during the Nakba of 1948. Right now, almost 1.9 million Palestinians, which makes up about 80% of Gaza's entire population, 
have been displaced. I really want you guys to absorb what that means to eclipse the numbers of the Nekba in 1948, which is the catastrophe that coincides with the establishment of the state of Israel, which up till this point was the greatest act of terrorism against Palestinian people. So the fact that we have eclipsed the numbers of the Nekba, which amounts to about 750,000 Palestinians being displaced and about 15,000 people dead, to have eclipsed those numbers in about two months is truly horrific. And I hope that comes across when you hear these numbers. Humanitarian organizations that once warned the world of an impending catastrophe in Gaza are now describing an apocalypse. The UN humanitarian chief said the situation in Gaza is apocalyptic. Israel's relentless bombing of Palestinian society has taken it past the point of collapse. Bombs are still falling as winter draws near, and millions of Palestinians are starving, dehydrated, sick, and living in unsuitable and unsustainable conditions and shelters. In addition to this, all cell service in northern Gaza is down. Palestinians can't contact their loved ones and they can't share the reality of what is going on on the ground. Cutting internet access and service is a very deliberate act on Israel's part to silence people, the same way they've been targeting and killing journalists. Israel does not want the world to see the truth, and cutting internet access is a great way for them to avoid this. Keep in mind that news outlets are not allowed in Gaza, so the Palestinian journalists on the ground, most of whom are very young in their early 20s, they're the ones being targeted because they're the ones showing the truth with their photos and videos and activism and news. So I want you guys to keep in mind how deliberate everything Israel does is when it comes to cutting internet, food, water from Gaza. It is deliberately starving and cutting off these people. Nowhere in Gaza is safe. Israel is bombing everywhere, including the areas they tell Palestinians to go to to find safety from the bombs. So there are no safe zones, regardless of what Israeli officials are telling us. Everywhere is unsafe because Israel is bombing everything, including the areas they're supposed to go to for safety. Israel is not trying in the slightest to avoid civilian casualties. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So this investigation is based on conversations with current and former members of the Israeli intelligence community, as well as reports from Palestinians and independent data. It explains how destroying Palestinian homes and society in the process of killing Palestinian civilians is very deliberate as well. It explains the tactics Israel has used to kill Palestinians at an accelerated rate during the past two months, which amounts to a clear-cut case of genocide, as well as genocidal intent. I truly can't believe there are still so many people in denial that what is going on in Palestine is in fact a genocide, because I've heard truly the most inane arguments as if to prove their point this isn't a genocide, whether it's about population growth or the fact that Israel hasn't killed enough people. But I'll, I'll have to get into that later, only because I will go on forever and just start ranting. But if every genocidal scholar and Israeli historian I can think of agrees this is a genocide, if humanitarian organizations are also telling you this is in fact a genocide, it is a genocide. Genocide is about intent on the part of the person committing the genocide or the entity committing the genocide. It's about intent and about the actions. It is not about 
birth rate or whatever the shit a Zionist will try to argue about. It's not about that. And what's happening is genocide, whether you want to hear that or not. This investigation also explains how Israel seeks out what it calls quote-unquote power targets to bomb. Power targets are non-military targets like homes and public buildings, like schools and hospitals. And Israel targets and bombs these for the direct purpose of terrorizing Palestinian civilians and harming their society. Israel's deliberate attacks on Palestinians and their society are illegal and inhumane, to say the very least. Then again, something being illegal truly means nothing at this point because Israel has violated international law for decades without any repercussions whatsoever. Something being illegal means nothing, and the UN feels useless because nothing ever happens. This is not the first time Israel has murdered Palestinians indiscriminately. It's not the first time they have violated international law or committed war crimes, but nothing ever happened before, so why would it happen now? Permissive airstrikes on non-military targets and the use of an artificial intelligence system have enabled the Israeli army to carry out the deadliest attack on Gaza ever. So the Israeli army's expanded authorization for bombing non-military targets, the loosening of constraints regarding expected civilian casualties, and the use of an artificial intelligence system to generate more potential targets than ever before, all of this has contributed to the destructive nature and the deadliest military campaign against Palestinians since the Nakba of 1948. As I mentioned, this investigation by Plus 972 magazine and Local Call is based on conversations with seven current and former members of Israel's intelligence community, including military intelligence and air force personnel who were involved in Israeli operations in the besieged Gaza Strip. In addition to this, it includes Palestinian testimonies, data and documentation from the Gaza Strip, as well as official statements by IOF spokespeople and other Israeli state institutions. Compared to the previous Israeli assaults on Gaza, the current attack, I will never call it a war, this is not a war, I've said this before, a war indicates both sides are equal and have an army, but you literally can't go to war with an entity you are occupying, regardless. Compared to previous assaults on Gaza, what's happening now is unprecedented. Israel has named the current attack on Gaza that is happening now, the current genocide, it has named its actions that have started in the wake of October 7th after the Hamas attack, Operation Iron Swords. And we've seen the Israeli army significantly expand its bombing of targets that are not distinctly military in nature. This includes private residences, as well as public buildings, infrastructure, and high-rise blocks, which sources say the army defines as these power targets. Israel seeks out these power targets to bomb. Power targets, again, are non-military targets like homes and public buildings. And Israel, again, targets and bombs these for the purpose of terrorizing Palestinian civilians and harming their society. And this is according to intelligence sources who had first-hand experience with this application in Gaza in the past who confirmed that not only is it mainly intended to harm Palestinian civil society, but it's also meant to, quote, create a shock that, among other things, will reverberate powerfully and lead civilians to put pressure on Hamas, as one source put it. Several sources spoke on the condition of anonymity, and they confirmed that the Israeli army has files of the vast majority of potential targets in Gaza, including homes, which stipulate the number of civilians who are likely to be killed in an attack on a particular target. This number of casualties is calculated and known in advance to the army's intelligence units, who also know shortly before carrying out an attack 
roughly how many civilians are certain to be killed. So the Israeli army knows just how many Palestinian civilians they'll kill with each strike, and Israel kills them anyway, fully aware of the number of civilian death that will ensue. In one case discussed by these sources, the Israeli military command knowingly approved the killing of hundreds of Palestinian civilians in an attempt to assassinate a single top Hamas military commander. Allegedly. One source said, The numbers increased from dozens of civilian deaths permitted, as collateral damage as part of an attack on a senior official in previous operations, to hundreds of civilian deaths as collateral damage. Another source said, Nothing happens by accident. When a three-year-old girl is killed in a home in Gaza, it's because someone in the army decided it wasn't a big deal for her to be killed, that it was a price worth paying in order to hit another target. We are not Hamas. These are not random rockets. Everything is intentional. We know exactly how much collateral damage there is in every home. The investigation revealed that another reason for the overwhelming civilian death toll as well as a number of targets in Gaza is the widespread use of an AI system called Habsora, aka the Gospel. The Gospel is largely built on artificial intelligence and can generate targets almost automatically at a rate that far exceeds what was previously possible. This AI system, as described by a former intelligence officer, essentially facilitates, in his words, a mass assassination factory. Israeli sources said that the increasing use of AI-based systems like Habsora allow the army to carry out strikes on residential homes where a single Hamas member lives on a massive scale. But testimonies of Palestinians argue that the army attacked many private residences where there was no known or apparent member of Hamas anywhere in sight or any other militant group residing. Such strikes can knowingly kill entire families in the process, and that is exactly what has happened and keeps happening. In the majority of cases, the sources said, military activity is not conducted from these targeted homes. One of them said, I remember thinking that it was like if Palestinian militants would bomb all the private residences of our families when Israeli soldiers go back to sleep at home on the weekend. The source was apparently critical of this practice. He's still a fucking soldier, so I don't give a shit. Another source said that a senior intelligence officer told his officers after October 7th that the criteria around harming Palestinian civilians were significantly relaxed. As such, there are, quote, cases in which we shell based on a wide cellular pinpointing of where the target is, killing civilians. This is done to save time, instead of doing a little more work to get more accurate pinpointing, said the source. The result of these policies is the staggering loss of human life in Gaza since October 7th. Over 300 families have lost 10 or more family members in the Israeli bombings over the past two months. That number is 15 times higher than the figure from what was previously Israel's deadliest war on Gaza in 2014. One source said, There is a feeling that senior officials in the army are aware of their failure on October 7th and are busy with the question of how to provide the Israeli public with an image of victory that will salvage the reputation. I just think it's really pathetic that um, an entire army will bomb and obliterate a uh, piece of land with millions of people on it because they're essentially embarrassed that they failed. It really just makes you realize that humans are small, silly creatures that are just too powerful for their own good. Getting your ego slighted is not an excuse for committing a genocide. 
and there is nothing you can say to make me think otherwise. From the first moment after the October 7th attack, politicians in Israel openly declared that the response would be of a completely different magnitude to previous military operations in Gaza. IDF spokesperson Danielle Hagari on October 9th said, The emphasis is on damage and not on accuracy. And the army swiftly translated these declarations into actions. Israeli intelligence divides its targets in Gaza into four categories. The first is tactical targets, which include standard military targets like armed militant cells, weapon warehouses, rocket launchers, anti-tank missile launchers, launch pits, mortar bombs, military headquarters, observation posts, and so on. The second is underground targets, mainly tunnels that Hamas has dug under Gaza's neighborhoods, including under civilian homes. Aerial strikes on these targets could lead to the collapse of the homes above or near the tunnels. The third is what we're talking about earlier, power targets, which includes the high-rises and residential towers in the heart of cities, as well as public buildings like universities, banks, and government offices. The idea behind hitting such targets, say three intelligence sources who were involved in planning or conducting strikes on power targets in the past, say that a deliberate attack Devastation and destruction of Palestinian society will exert civil pressure on Hamas. The final category of targets are family homes. The stated purpose of these attacks is to destroy private residences in order to assassinate a single resident suspected of being a Hamas member or an Islamic Jihad operative. But Palestinian testimonies explain that most of the families that were killed did not include any operatives from any organization. In the early stages of the current genocide, the Israeli army appeared to have given particular attention to the third and fourth categories. According to statements on October 11th by the IOF spokesperson, during the first five days of fighting, half the targets bombed, which amounts to 1,329 out of a total of 2,687, were deemed power targets. Just to loop in the people that maybe don't know, but IOF is used instead of IDF by a lot of Palestinian activists because they define it and I define it as Israeli occupation forces and not defense forces because what they're doing has never been defense. So you might see many people call it IOF because that is what they're referring to, Israeli occupation forces. One source said, We are asked to look for a high-rise building with half a floor that can be attributed to Hamas. Sometimes it is a militant group's spokesperson's office, or a point where operatives meet. I understood that the floor is an excuse that allows the army to cause a lot of destruction in Gaza. That is what they told us. If they would tell the whole world that the Islamic Jihad offices on the 10th floor are not important as a target, but that its existence is a justification to bring down the entire high-rise with the aim of pressuring civilian families who live in it in order to put pressure on terrorist organizations, this itself would be seen as terrorism. So they do not say that. As expected, testimonies and videos from Gaza, unsurprisingly, show that some of these targets that have been attacked have been attacked without warning and without prior notice given to their occupants, thus killing entire families as a result. Let's take our first break here, because that's what we do. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. 
big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we are back. UN data for the period up until November 11th, by which time Israel had killed 11,078 Palestinians in Gaza, stated that at least 312 families have lost 10 or more people in Gaza. For the sake of comparison, Operation Protective Edge in 2014, 20 families in Gaza lost 10 or more people. 20 in comparison to over 300 now. In addition, according to the UN, at least 189 families have lost between 6 and 9 people, while 549 families have lost between 2 and 5 people. According to the UN, and this number is changing and unfortunately rising even as we speak, 1.9 million Palestinians, which is the vast majority of the Strip's population, have been displaced within Gaza since October 7th. The IOF claims that the demand to evacuate the Strip's north was intended to protect civilian lives. However, Palestinians and most of the world see this for what it is, that this mass displacement is part of a new Nakba, an attempt to ethnically cleanse part or all of the territory. And I'm not just making up the phrase new Nakba, because Israeli politicians and officials have described what is happening right now as a Nakba as well as stating genocidal intent in many other ways. So Dove Waxman, the director of UCLA's YNS Nazarene Center for Israel Studies, talked a little bit about this in a phone interview with NBC News. Some of that rhetoric can be seen as potentially genocidal from the way it dehumanizes Palestinian civilians. He noted that the right-wing ministers who made comments like this are, quote, not in the war cabinet, so their words can only have so much impact on Israeli policy. But still, hearing ministers of any kind and public officials with millions of followers and eyes on them make suggestions like flattening Gaza with a nuclear bomb should be concerning nonetheless. Agriculture Minister Avi Dichter, a member of the right-wing Likud party, told Israeli Channel 12 that the quote-unquote war would be Gaza's Nekba, using this Arabic word for catastrophe that we all use to describe the 1948 displacement Palestinians, as well as their genocide. He said, From an operational point of view, there is no way to wage a war, as the Israeli army seeks to do in Gaza, with masses between the tanks and the soldiers. When Dichter was pressed on his use of the word Nekba to describe the situation in Gaza, he said, again, doubling down, 
Gaza Nekba 2023. That's how it'll end. A week before these comments were made, Israeli Heritage Minister Amahai Eliyahu, apologies for mispronouncing it, but also not really, sparked outcry after he suggested that dropping a nuclear bomb on the Gaza Strip was, quote, one of the possibilities in the current conflict. Also, it's important to remember that the increasingly hostile rhetoric from Israel's far-right cabinet ministers has not only centered on Gaza, but also the occupied West Bank. An example of this is when Israeli finance minister Bezalel Samotrik, who was a prominent settler advocate, called for the creation of, quote, sterile zones in the West Bank in a letter that he sent to Netanyahu and Yoav Gallant, the defense minister. And this letter was shared with Israeli media. Such sterile zones, he said, would block Palestinians from entering certain areas and bar them from harvesting olives close to Israeli settlements in the enclave. This letter also came during the annual olive harvest, with olive farming being a primary source of income for many Palestinian farmers in the West Bank. It also came during a surge of settler violence against Palestinians in the area, which has only increased since then. There was a law that was passed a couple years ago, I believe, that essentially allows Israeli soldiers to shoot unarmed Palestinians uh, without any legal repercussions. And we're seeing that happen in real time in the West Bank. So as this genocide is unfolding in Gaza, keep in mind there is no Hamas in the West Bank and they are still committing acts of terror there. Also, a side note, if you guys want to learn about um, the significance of olives and olive trees for Palestine, I did an episode about that. You can look it up. But the olive harvest and olives and olive trees in particular are a very significant part of Palestinian life. One such case of both increasing settler violence and targeting olives, and olive farmers in particular, is in Bilal Saleh, who was killed while tending to his olive trees earlier this month. An elderly couple were also attacked by settlers last month without provocation while collecting olives in the West Bank. Comments like those made by Samotrik only emboldened settlers to attack Palestinians. Again, I want to mention here that it is not against Israeli law for soldiers to shoot at unarmed Palestinians. It is permissible and done all the time. When that is the norm, of course you're going to have hateful settlers adopting the same strategy when they're armed with no repercussions. According to the Israeli army, during the first five days of fighting, it dropped 6,000 bombs on the Gaza Strip with a total weight of about 4,000 tons. Media outlets reported that the army had wiped out entire neighborhoods. According to the Gaza-based El Mazan Center for Human Rights, these attacks led to the complete destruction of residential neighborhoods, the destruction of infrastructure, and the mass killing of residents. As documented by El Mizan and numerous images coming out of Gaza, Israel bombed the Islamic University of Gaza, as well as the Palestinian Bar Association, a UN building for educational programs for outstanding students, a building belonging to the Palestine Telecommunications Company, the Ministry of National Economy, the Ministry of Culture, roads, and dozens of high-rise buildings and homes, especially in Gaza's northern neighborhoods. Again, striking targets like these functions primarily as a means that allow damage to civil society. That is a direct quote from a source. And the sources understood, some explicitly and some implicitly, that damage to civilians is the real purpose of these attacks. In May 2021, Israel was heavily criticized for bombing the El Jala Tower, which housed prominent international media outlets like Al Jazeera, AP, and AFP. A source said, 
The perception is that it really hurts Hamas when high-rise buildings are taken down because it creates a public reaction in the Gaza Strip and scares the population. They wanted to give the citizens of Gaza the feeling that Hamas is not in control of the situation. Sometimes they toppled buildings, and sometimes postal service and government buildings. The idea of causing mass devastation to civilian areas for strategic purposes was formulated in previous military operations in Gaza, honed in by the so-called Dahiya Doctrine from the Second Lebanon War of 2006. According to the Dahiya Doctrine, developed by former IOF's Chief of Staff Gadi Ezenkot, who is now a Knesset member and part of the current war cabinet, according to him and this doctrine, in a war against guerrilla groups such as Hamas or Hezbollah, Israel must use disproportionate and overwhelming force while targeting civilian and government infrastructure in order to establish deterrence and force the civilian population to pressure the groups to end their attacks. The concept of power targets also seems to have been emanated from this same logic. The first time the Israeli army publicly defined power targets in Gaza was at the end of Operation Protective Edge in 2014. The army bombed four buildings during the last four days of the war, three residential multi-story buildings in Gaza City, and a high-rise in Rafah. The security establishment explained at the time that the attacks were intended to convey to the Palestinians in Gaza that, quote, nothing is immune anymore, and to put pressure on Hamas to agree to a ceasefire. An amnesty report in late 2014 stated, The evidence we collected shows that a massive destruction of the buildings was carried out deliberately, without any military justification. Previous operations have also shown how striking these targets is meant not to only harm Palestinian morale, but also raise the morale inside Israel. Haaretz revealed that during Operation Guardian of the Walls in 2021, the IOF spokesperson's unit conducted a PSYOP against Israeli citizens in order to boost awareness of the IOF's operation in Gaza and the damage they caused to Palestinians. Soldiers, using fake social media accounts to conceal the campaign's origin, uploaded images and clips of the army's strikes in Gaza to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok in order to demonstrate the army's prowess to the Israeli public. Which is, in my opinion, pathetic. During the 2021 assault, Israel struck nine targets that were defined as power targets, all of them high-rise buildings. One security source said... The goal was to collapse the high-rises so that the Israeli public would see a victory image. The bottom line is that they knocked down a high-rise for the sake of knocking down a high-rise. Let's take our second break, and uh, we'll be right back. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We're back. Okay. So not only are we seeing Israel attack an unprecedented number of power targets, We're also getting testimonies from Palestinian residents in Gaza that indicate that, since October 7th, Israel has attacked high-rises with their residents still inside without prior warning, which leads to many civilian deaths. Such attacks obviously result in the killing of entire families, and this was experienced in previous offenses. According to an investigation by AP conducted after the 2014 war, About 89% of those killed in the aerial bombings of family homes were unarmed residents, and most of them were women and children. Sound familiar? This goes to show you that Israel has been doing this for a long time without anything happening, because international law is bullshit. But really think about that. 89% of those killed in the aerial bombings in the 2014 war slash genocide were innocent people who were unarmed Most of them, women and children. The exact same thing is happening right now. Some examples of the current indiscriminate bombing of residential buildings are the following. On October 10th, Israel bombed the Babel building in Gaza. And this is according to the testimony of Bilal Abu Hatzira, who rescued bodies from the ruins that night. Ten people were killed in the attack on the building, including three journalists. On October 25th, The 12-story El Taj residential building in Gaza City was bombed to the ground, killing the families living inside it without warning. About 120 people were buried under the ruins of their apartments, according to the testimonies of the residents. Yusuf Amr Sharaf, a resident of El Taj, wrote that 37 of his family members who lived in the building were killed in the attack. He said, My dear father and mother, my beloved wife, my sons, and most of my brothers and their families were killed. Residents stated that a lot of bombs were dropped that resulted in damaging and destroying apartments in nearby buildings as well. Six days later after this, on October 31st, an eight-story building, the El Muhadsin, was bombed without warning. Between 30 and 45 bodies were reportedly covered from the ruins on the first day. One baby was found alive without his parents. I'm not sure if I mentioned this in a previous episode, but I think it bears repeating that children in Gaza are being admitted to hospitals completely alone and with no surviving family members. And this is happening so often that hospitals now have an abbreviation for these children. WCNSF, Wounded Child with No Surviving Family. The ones that can't speak are marked as unknown. There are many children and babies like this. Journalists estimated that the attack killed over 150 people, and many are buried and remain under the rubble. The building used to stand in Nuzorat refugee camp, south of Wadi Gaza, in the supposed safe zone which Israel directed the Palestinians who fled their homes in northern and central Gaza. It therefore served as a temporary shelter for the displaced, before getting obliterated into smithereens and bombed to the ground, killing hundreds of people. 
According to an investigation by Amnesty International, on October 9th, Israel shelled at least three multi-story buildings, as well as an open flea market on a crowded street in the Jabalia refugee camp, killing at least 69 people. The father of a child who was killed said, The bodies were burned. I didn't want to look. I was scared of looking at Imad's face. The bodies were scattered on the floor. Everyone was looking for their children in these piles. I recognized my son only by his trousers. I wanted to bury him immediately, so I carried my son and got him out. According to intelligence sources, Habsora, aka the Gospel, the AI system we mentioned earlier, this AI system generates, among other things, automatic recommendations for attacking private residences where people suspected, in bold, suspected, of being Hamas or Islamic Jihad operatives live. Israel then carries out large-scale assassination operations through the heavy shelling of these residential homes. Habsora, explained one of the sources, processes enormous amounts of data that, quote, tens of thousands of intelligence officers could not process, as well as recommending bombing sites in real time. I wanted to put in bold suspected because that is a crazy thing to do when you don't know for sure what the fuck you're doing and who the fuck you're killing. Just putting it out there that it's, at this point, it can't be any clearer that it's not about Hamas. It's about the eradication of the Palestinian people, which has been slowly happening for the past 75 years, and now it has accelerated. It's not about Hamas, because that is a crazy thing to do if you're only targeting Hamas. One former intelligence officer explained that the Habsora system enables the army to run a, quote, mass assassination factory, in which the, quote, emphasis is on the quantity and not quality. A human eye will, quote, go over the targets before each attack, but it need not spend a lot of time on them. In 2019, the Israeli army created a new center aimed at using AI to accelerate target generation. The Targets Administrative Division is a unit that includes hundreds of officers and soldiers and is based on AI capabilities. This is according to the former IOF Chief of Staff Aviv Kochavi, and he gave an in-depth interview about this earlier this year. He said, This is a machine that, with the help of AI, processes a lot of data better and faster than any human and translates it into targets for attack. The result was that in Operation Guardian of the Walls in 2021, from the moment this machine was activated, it generated 100 new targets every day. You see, in the past, there were times in Gaza when we would create 50 targets per year. And here, the machine produced 100 targets in one day. One of the sources of the investigation by Plus972 magazine said, We prepare the targets automatically and work according to a checklist. This source also worked in the new targets administrative division. They said, It really is like a factory. We work quickly and there is no time to delve deep into the target. The view is that we are judged according to how many targets we manage to generate. A senior military official in charge of the Target Bank told Jerusalem Post earlier this year that, thanks to the Army's AI systems, for the first time the military can generate new targets at a faster rate than it attacks. One more time for emphasis. For the first time ever, thanks to AI systems, the military generates new targets faster than it can attack them. Another source said the drive to automatically generate large numbers of targets is a realization of the Dehiya Doctrine. 
The Tahiyya doctrine, as mentioned earlier, is when Israel uses disproportionate and overwhelming force when targeting civilian and government infrastructure in order to establish deterrence and make the Palestinian people cower in fear and admit defeat, essentially. And so this AI system is really helping achieve this Tahiyya doctrine in the process. Automated systems like Habsora have thus greatly facilitated the work of Israeli intelligence officers in making decisions during military operations, including calculating potential casualties. Five different sources confirmed that the number of civilians who may be killed in attacks on private residences is known in advance to Israeli intelligence and appears clearly in the target file under the category, quote, collateral damage. According to these sources, there are degrees of collateral damage, according to which the army determines whether it is possible to attack a target inside a private residence. One of the sources said, when the general directive becomes, quote, collateral damage five, that means we are authorized to strike all targets that will kill five or less civilians. We can act on all target files that are five or less. A security official who participated in attacking targets during previous operations said, In the past, we did not regularly mark the homes of junior Hamas members for bombing. In my time, if the house I was working on was marked collateral damage 5, it would not always be approved for attack. Such approval, he said, would only be received if a senior Hamas commander was known to be living in the home. To my understanding, today they can mark all the houses of any Hamas military operative regardless of rank or confirmation of membership. The source added, That is a lot of houses. Hamas members, who don't really matter for anything, live in homes all across Gaza. So they mark the home and bomb the house and kill everyone there. On October 22nd, the Israeli Air Force bombed the home of Palestinian journalist Ahmed al-Nauk in the city of Deir al-Balah. The strike on October 22nd collapsed blocks of concrete onto Ahmed's entire family, killing his father, brothers, sisters, and all of their children, including babies. Only his 12-year-old niece, Malak, survived and remained in critical condition, her body covered in burns. A few days later, Malak died. 21 members of Ahmed's family were killed in total, buried under their home. None of them were militants. The youngest was two years old. The oldest, his father, was 75. Ahmed, who is now currently living in the UK, is alone without his entire family. This part particularly gutted me, but uh, Ahmed's family WhatsApp group, the group text thread that he had with his family, it was titled Better Together. The last message that appears in this group was sent by him, a little after midnight on the night that he lost his family. He sent this message. Someone let me know that everything is fine. No one answered. He fell asleep and woke up in a panic at 4 a.m., drenched in sweat. And he checked his phone again. Nothing. And then he received a message from a friend with the terrible news. Unfortunately, Ahmed's case is very common in Gaza these days. In interviews to the press, heads of Gaza hospitals have been echoing the same description. Families enter hospitals as a succession of corpses, a child followed by his father, followed by his grandfather. The bodies are all covered in dirt and blood. 
The report does not have data regarding the number of military operatives who were indeed killed or wounded in aerial strikes on private residences in the current genocide, but there is ample evidence that in many, many cases, if not most, vast majority of, none of the people killed were military or political operatives belonging to Hamas or Islamic Jihad. The bombing of family homes where Hamas and Islamic Jihad operatives supposedly live it likely became a more concerted IOF policy during Operation Protective Edge in 2014. And this is when Israel began to systematically strike family homes from the air. Human rights groups like B'Tselem collected testimonies from Palestinians who survived these attacks. The survivors said the homes collapsed in on themselves. Glass shards cut through the bodies of those inside. The debris smelled of blood and people were buried alive. A UN report defined this in 2015 as both a potential war crime and a new pattern of action that led to the death of entire families. And we're seeing this pattern repeat in real time right now. In 2014, 93 babies were killed as a result of Israeli bombings on family homes, of which 13 were under one year old. As of a month ago, 286 babies aged one year or under were identified as having been killed in Gaza. And this is according to a detailed ID list with the ages of victims published by the Gaza Ministry of Health on October 26th. This number has likely doubled and tripled, if not more, at this point. So, in many cases, especially during the current attacks on Gaza, the Israeli army carries out attacks that strike private residences even when there is no known or clear military target. For example, according to the Committee to Protect Journalists, by November 29th, Israel had killed 50 Palestinian journalists in Gaza, some of them in their homes with their families. The murdering of these journalists, again, may I remind you, is very deliberate as far as silencing Palestine and people in Gaza from sharing the truth about what's going on. Rasti Sharaj is one of these journalists who was killed, who was 31, and a journalist in Gaza who was born in Britain, who founded a media outlet in Gaza called El Media. On October 22nd, an Israeli bomb struck his parents' house where he was sleeping, killing him. There's also journalist Salam Mema, who similarly died under the ruins of her home after it was bombed. Of her three young children, Hadi, seven, died, while Sham, age three, has not been yet found under the rubble. Two other journalists, Dua Sharaf and Salma Makhimad, were killed together with their children in their homes. As of this recording, Israel has killed over 60 journalists since October 7th. That's going to be the episode for today, because um, that was a lot, and I hope it was helpful this investigative report is extremely important, especially now that we're seeing these Israeli officials and officers shamelessly saying that they're trying their best to avoid civilian casualties, when here we have proof that that is in fact a lie. So I wanted to do this episode to counteract the argument that this is about Hamas. It's not about Hamas. It really isn't. Nothing can justify this amount of murder and death of people. Point blank. Absolutely nothing justifies a genocide. Nothing. So 
I hope you guys keep learning about Palestine and raising awareness about the genocide and staying active in your communities and following Palestinian journalists that are still alive and risking their lives to share information. Motaz Azaiza is one of these journalists that is consistently posting on his stories. There's also Bisan, who is at wizard underscore Bisan1 on Instagram. She's been an incredible source and really just being so vulnerable and sharing exactly what's going on. And I have no idea, and I hope I never do, how hard it is to not have time for grief. Palestinians do not have time to grieve their dead. They're too busy photographing them and videoing them so the world will even believe that they're going through a genocide. Something I wanted to bring up is that these journalists in Gaza, the ones that are left, they've been posting these heartbreaking last messages on social media. Bisan posted on December 2nd, I no longer have any hope of survival like I had at the beginning of this genocide, and I am certain that I will die in the next few weeks or maybe days. My message to the world... You are not innocent of what is happening to us. You, as governments or peoples that support Israel's annihilation of my people, we will not forgive you. Humanity will not forgive you. Even if we die, the history will never forget. Motaz, also on December 2nd, said, It's about life or death now. I did what I could. We are surrounded by Israeli tanks. Gaza Strip is getting divided into three parts— the north of Gaza, the middle area, and Deir el-Balah, and Khan Yunus, and Rafah. The movement is becoming nearly impossible, and of course there is no safe place, and people just don't know where to go. It is hard to keep up and watch, but it's truly the least you can do. We are so privileged in, one, me making a podcast, and you listening to it. So the very least we can do is use our privilege to help those in need and be the mouthpiece that they so desperately want and are begging for, and not letting their stories be buried under the rubble with them just because Israel is trying to cover it up. So, with that, I'll see you next time. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys. 
You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.